Alhamdulillah, welcome everybody to the Monthly Reflections podcast We're on the way to the studio now, so bear with us for a few minutes If you're tuning in later on Spotify, this is what London sounds like It sounds like cars and traffic and uh, people going in different places Salam Agha Nabil, give me a minute to get inside and then we'll get going um, Salam Alaikum everybody, welcome so much, inshallah you are well Hang on, there we go now I'll tell you I'm currently at the Hausa, the Hausa in London, and some of the teachers and students had a, a dinner just now. Salam, Sheikh, how are you? Hello, fine, thank you. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Is my voice coming to you, Aga? It is. It's a bit. Uh... They're cutting out a bit, but ah. here, I'm One just second. going now to the to the studio which is being prepared for me. So apologies for my uh, my appearance. Uh, <laughs> going to come in the video very quickly. <laughs> Sheikh Hassan Roshendale is running away, so he doesn't get shy to come on camera. Go on, come in quickly, come in, come in quickly, Allah. Salam from Sheikh Hassan. But I see you're saying some good stuff, so thank you very much. <laughs> it's good to see you. We have mutual nice friends, Sheikh Shirley Walji. He's, he's yeah. Said a yeah, 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 we do, yeah. Inshallah, you're doing well. I won't take more of the time here. Please go ahead with the, with the podcast. Inshallah, thank you. need to connect to the internet. Yeah, I need the Wi-Fi very quickly because I'm on 4G right now. Do you have the code? Yeah, yeah, All right, Sheikh, this is part of the teething issues of a podcast, so just sit tight for one second, please. Going live, <laughs> yeah? On the internet. <laughs> one second, one second. Have you got the Wi-Fi code? Yeah. All right, one second. Uh, people who are there, please stay there. Do you have an iPhone charger? Okay. <laughs> Sheikh Nabil, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hang on. No worries. Perfect. Perfect. We're live, we're ready to go. You have my bag. Can you bring it inside and keep it inside? All right. Sorry, Sheikh, there's Olimar walking around just giving me different tasks. So, apologies <laughs> <laughs> for that. All right, I'm going to get going. You can just keep it in there. Okay, 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 okay. Alaikum salam to everyone here. Uh, Sheikh, salam alaikum properly, formally now. Inshallah, you're well. Yeah, good, thank you. Alhamdulillah. Thanks for your patience. How are you doing? Good, good. Just uh, adjusting to UK fasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just got back, didn't you? Where, where, where have you been? I was in Dar es Salaam for the last two, three months. If so... anyone's listening from Dar es Salaam right now, I know you love Sheikh, but he belongs to the UK. Can you let us have more of him, please? I don't know, you are taking... So much of him <laughs> that we miss him. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're back now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a for a day or so, and then I'm off again. Where are you going now? Uh, Dubai. So I'm um, for the last couple of uh, weeks of Shah Ramadan. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be in Satwa in Dubai. You know, I lived in uh, I lived in Dubai, and I used to go to Satwa when I was a kid. Um, yeah, Subhanallah. So we should have like a Maqam-e Farshuri there. <laughs> no, I think it would be a very naughty place. I mean, I used to run around. I never sat and spin in the lectures, so I don't think it would be a good place to celebrate. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I was born in South London, and then I, I lived in Dubai for seven years, and then I came back to the UK. Um, so yeah, As you that, do. Yeah, <laughs> it was beautiful there. Uh, you don't tell me Sato want to keep you as well. Uh, we're already fighting everyone off to yeah. keep you in the UK. Have I got to fight them too? What is this? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But inshallah, no. Let's uh, UK is home. Sorry, everyone in Dar. Yeah. Let me uh, ask you. <laughs> there are people in Dar who are commenting and don't worry, inshallah. Sheikh is, Sheikh is yours, inshallah. Let me ask you, when you were in Dar just now, what topics did you choose to lecture on? What, you know, what areas did you des- decide to go with in, in lecturing for the first 10 days? Um, we've got, uh, it was a, a load of different ones, to be honest. 
but my I was targeting more younger uh, people from maybe 16 to 45 working with that age group um, so it was uh, it was specific to the issues and uh, problems that are there in da talking around those issues and stuff like that have you noticed that communities in you know in, in Africa and maybe in Dubai and, and what we would consider to be the global south or east, whatever word you want to give that, are those issues the same as the ones you find in the UK and America and Canada or are they different? Um, I think right now they're about the same uh, with the addition of maybe the sense of original culture is stronger uh, whereas we've learnt to amalgamate and uh, integrate newer things, maybe move away from certain cultural aspects that were not Islamic. So we've sort of allowed ourselves to live more of a slightly more Islamic lifestyle in terms of certain things in the West. Yeah. Uh, whereas I find in the East, they're still dealing with that battle. But because of social media, because of all of this sort of uh, sharing of information, trends and all that rubbish, uh, you know, you see that the issues are pretty much the same. <laughs> you know, Across I was going to say something and then I stopped that. I was going to say also because of the, you know, the individuals who are lecturing and speaking in English, they tend to equalize out the content that's delivered everywhere. But then I saw you write something earlier today about people who associate individuals with deen. And, um, and the problem yeah. that comes with that is, you know, if one person makes a mistake, the whole dean suffers and they want to cancel this person. And, and this culture is very backwards. I know you've got a lot to say about that. Um, how does that apply here? Yeah, I, it's the same. I mean, it's this whole celebrity culture thing that we've created for ourselves. It stems from so much. It comes from so much. Most of it is the obsession to be like the West, right? Right. So I, as a speaker have this desire to have this sort of amazing crowd like western speakers have this amazing crowd uh, on non-islamic things you know they have all this celebrity status so in me there's like this thing that oh i'm going to try and you know work towards that other there's so many different things that we do like these gala dinners and you know you guys have heard me bang on about those uh, plenty of times and i know i know the gala dinner organizers around the world uh don't agree with me on this point but genuinely this whole imitation you know i can't go to the oscars so let me make my own halal version of the kafir culture uh type of thing that's happening um and also you know the and so then it then goes on to the um the religion that we have is based on personalities it's not for mm. the religion's sake as it were. So when, you know, I, I said in that post on Facebook that, you know, when Amir al-Mu'mineen, the battle of Jamal, someone comes up to him and says, are you on Haq or is Aisha on Haq? Imam Ali al-Islam doesn't say, look, I'm on Haq, look who I've got with me, look at all the people, look at who's on that side. I'm the Khalifa. He says, no. He says, look, first of all, uh, understand Haq. You know, identify Haq. What is Haq? Then identify the people of Haq. We we flip it on its head because of this celebrity culture and everything that we do. We just think that whatever Nabil Awan says is deen, that's correct. You know, and uh, so then when the day that Nabil Awan says something that we don't like, then we trash him as well. And, you know, uh, or it's, uh, you know, if he stumbles, then our faith also stumbles uh, because yeah. we've linked it to certain people, certain personalities that sit, sit on the member. And so then it becomes very difficult to discuss pertinent issues because instantly, mm -hmm. and especially as a, as a speaker, and you'll, you'll know this as well, but the moment you try and, let's say, address a matter, straight, and there's maybe a speaker linked to it, uh, a particular project, straight away people will be like, oh, you're cussing out that speaker. You're trying to have a dig at right. him. And you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> really, I'm not. I'm really cool with the guy. We're okay. We're on good terms, you know. But in reality, yeah. what I'm trying to do is highlight the issue here. Yeah? yeah. And yeah, all well and good that uh, scholar or that speaker may have their own justifications. But I, as someone who's looking in, uh, looking in at it, 
uh, have a different different perspective you know and it doesn't mean that i'm against the personality it's just you know why can't we discuss concepts and that's the problem yeah. we we are so like you know when they when there's a difference of opinion we just go mad and we're like ah oh, this person and you know just be happy like just be like okay you know we've got to learn to be like all right fine cool so difference of opinion yeah great but you know it doesn't matter uh and that's that's i think a problem and a lot of it is stemming from this sort of uh uh western culture you know this hello magazine gossip type culture um and it's infiltrated our lives um that we we sort of now associate things from the deen towards uh personalities and we take haq from personalities rather than haq itself and then trying to find who fits within yeah. uh, that haq i think what you've described is actually a problem of where do what are the foundations of our belief right and for a lot of people those foundations have been a phase or a trend or a group of people or in some cases a scholar or an individual and for them it's like the majority of their need to be religious or practice islam is because of that person or that you know trend a trend is a good word because you know we have that saying that those who enter the deen by trends or phases will leave by those phases and you see it all the time people have this this mm-hmm. jazba this excitement that you know i want to be religious because of that person or this new fashionable way of being religious we've seen it a lot in the uk i think around the world and then on that person yeah. who is an insan is fallible naturally and they have their own way of doing you know their own journey when they stumble on one issue or take a risk or have a different opinion but my whole deen is stuff is because of that person and i think we never we never read enough to make our foundations of our faith something stable it was always unstable that's my analysis yeah 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 without doubt without doubt um much of our deen much of our religion is based on like just stuff that we've heard literally it is yeah. what we've heard of the member what we've heard from someone no one's actually gone into the depth and so this is why at times you can have people who are saying things that are totally against the deen totally wrong and all of a sudden we were shook to our core and that's one of the reasons we're so reactive because we we're, we're hollow we don't have anything ourselves we're not stable in our own faith so we end up being reactionary the moment this new group comes the moment this uh, we have to take them down we have to we under the under the banner <laughs> of amr bil ma'ruf and nahyan in munkar and we're like going for them but it's like if you are at peace with yourself yeah, yeah the whole world can go to pot i mean you know my lecture series for dubai will be about this creating inner peace while you know the whole world around you is going to pot and there's bala and there's difficulties and things and problems that are happening but how is it that you maintain that inner peace yourself and when you're at peace within yourself then you know then there's nothing that can shake you and then you're not like you don't get up on your high horse and like this person's a kafir and this person's a deviant it's like okay all right fine you know it's just it's just another person and you know the people of haq will know that this person is on batil or this idea is not is not conducive to spiritual growth mm-hmm. uh in this podcast we usually start slow and get going you've come in with straight fire so but you <laughs> you know, asked uh, the fire question <laughs> <laughs> i did this, this, I, this I, i've only got one about... speed i've only got one gear <laughs> you know that no, and then, this is the so then you know yeah. <laughs> you asked the right question you get an interesting answer that that's how these things work um <laughs> you said one thing there that i well many things i like one thing i really like which was about um if two people disagree how does that affect a third person okay and i think what i've noticed at least recently is when let's say there are people who have prominent positions in our community if they have a, a a unique idea or they take a risk which as a scholar you are allowed to experiment ideas and go on your own journey and sometimes some cases they have left the mainstream whatever they've done i've noticed for some people that has been a heavily traumatic thing for them like they can't reconcile their own faith with someone who seems to be religious showing a sign of something mm-hmm. which doesn't seem religious in their view and i wonder for someone who's listening thinking why do my favorite speakers or role models keep doing this bad thing and la 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 what's a more healthy way for them to uh compartmentalize the role of the speaker in their own personal religious life so you cut out there was did you say what was the more healthy balance yeah what's a more healthy way of of 
for a person to look at the role of a speaker in their own personal religiosity. Yeah. I think you you look at uh, a speaker uh or someone yeah by speaker I mean anyone who comes on the member. Now it's, it's sometimes those speakers the, the people that are speaking are scholars and sometimes they're not scholars they're just students, right? Um regardless of that you should look at the the member as being a supplement like um you look yeah so you look at it as like a a top up of um your dean but the main bulk of the work has to be done by you the main bulk of the work needs mm-hmm. to be you actually you know researching and understanding the dean and then because the, remember a speaker or a scholar no matter how great they are for 45 minutes they've studied 5 6 hours and they're giving you what is you know the lubul lubab of those 5 6 hours in those 45 minutes if you're lucky uh, you might end up getting 30 minutes right 25 minutes some places <laughs> and then you know they give you 6 hours in 25 minutes but it's not the same it's not the depth it's just a, an indication and of what you need to then go and do um so i think you know we really do have to move away from this idea of like celebrity uh you know we we don't even nowadays at times we don't even listen to what the person is saying it's just the fact that i idolize this person so whatever this person says is going to be right yeah so i think we have to look at the member as a supplement yeah you have to put in the hard work mm. and the member supplements obviously that's a member in your average Hosseinia. If it's a member in a house where someone is sitting and you're in class like Bahth al-Kharij, then that's not a supplement. You know, that's an actual class. But you know, as a general in the West, uh, you know, the traditional sense of the member, uh, as we know it, it has to be looked at as a supplement. You shouldn't be taking... you know <laughs> your full deen because if if that's what you're doing <laughs> then in reality all you're getting is 20% of the deen because 80% or the 100% that that speaker or that scholar put in to giving you a 20% you know uh squeezed out juice of what they've learned so and you've yeah. taken that and you've watered that down a bit <laughs> and so now you're with like sort of 15 16% uh deen uh understanding of the deen as it were so it, it right. does it does require a person to put some effort in and so they need to look at uh people that sell on the uh, manabir as as supplements obviously that doesn't mean that we disrespect them and we don't show them any respect no that you know it's a two way street you know we have a hadith from the holy prophet that says uh the scholar who expects people should stand for him should expect uh, a place for himself in hell you know if wow. he himself inside himself thinks you know what people should be standing for me don't they know who i am like you know even that thought is like he should expect for himself a place in hell but at the same time on the flip side there's responsibilities of the layman towards the scholars as well like what do we have to do for the scholars uh, and the respect that we have to show uh, for those individuals so it's it's a sort of a two way street So let's let's do it then. So if you take away the whole role of the member, we have people here right now in Shah Ramadan listening thinking, I want to take responsibility for my ilm. I want to I want to take it on me. Like I'm going to live and die and be judged on my understanding of my a'mal. How do we, you know, what's a good way of learning Islam, a practical way of learning this religion in a way which is more sustainable than, you know, the member because people don't read the way they used to these days people consume knowledge in a different way and what's you know let's be practical about this how do we gain ilm in a way that actually strengthens my foundations but it's useful advice not just like you know the things i've been hearing all the time those who read this much in the mornings and those who do this atmar and those who go to hajj we can't all go to hauza ironically i'm in a hauza while i'm saying it but we can't all go to hauza so what can what can the normal person do to take responsibility of their ilm yeah you see the thing is that uh what do you classify as ilm right uh ilm like in how you described it i would say no that's the retention of information 
and the retention of information can be gained from books or YouTube videos, whatever. Ilm is nur, is a light that is illuminated in the hearts by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, that, and it's about from the tazkiyah, from that person's tazkiyah to nafs, from that person's tawadu, their humbleness and stuff. They may only study for a short time, but achieve, you know, unlock a lot from that because of that spiritual uh, purity within themselves. Um, and I think we've begun to look at ilm in the, in the Western sense as well, that it's about certifications and it's about, you know, um, what institute and all of these sort of things. Although it, those are good checks and balances to have. But in reality, ilm is something that comes uh, from light that is inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yeah, what is the best way of sort of remaining or increasing that knowledge, that true knowledge, is one, you know, one focuses on their spirituality, on their ibadat, on their journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at the same time, you know, you have to, you have to search. You know, ilm is not, you know, every hadith that you look at, there is no easy way of learning knowledge. You can't self-hypnotize yourself and listen to an audio book at night, and by the morning, you're going to have remembered it. You can't sleep on a pile of books, and by the morning, the, the knowledge is going to have transferred itself to you. The fact is, you have to put in the effort. The same way, if you're going to go to the gym, you're going to have to put in the effort for you to change uh, your status. You know, either if that is, you know, it can be through consuming a series of lectures, like someone does an in-depth lecture. In, I guess in English, we don't have that much, uh, that so much. In, like in Farsi and stuff, like the Maraj and uh, prominent scholars, they do a whole tafasir, a whole sharh of many yeah. of the different uh, books and uh, ziyarat and ad'iyat uh, and things like that from Ahlul Bayt, alayhi salam. But it's about finding those and then just putting a little bit of effort in from yourself in terms of focus on your aqaid, first of all. Mm -hmm. You know, like understand tawheed, understand nabuwa, understand imama, understand qiyama, understand why adala is in there from all the other sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, be sound in your aqaid and at the same time when you're being mutadayyin and you're avoiding sins and you're staying away from all of these uh, haram actions, it will at the same, you know, that light will begin to expand in your heart. And then it's always good to keep yourself connected on a personal level with scholars, uh, with sound scholars, that you're at a personal level, not like a scholar that you got a message and they're not going to get back to you, you know, or someone that, you know, a, your local resident alim or someone that is there that is not, you know, given all of this special protocol and status and all of that, but it's an alim nonetheless. You know, attach yourself to that person. Bounce your questions off that. It's a better way of understanding. But in short, you know, if you, if you want to gain knowledge, you have to put the effort in. There's no easy way out of it. Yes, once you're putting a little bit of effort and if you're preparing yourself spiritually, then that begins to increase in your... Uh, in yourself tenfold beautiful thank you for the example of the gym every time i do a podcast with you you use the gym or fitness as a metaphor for to describe what you're describing um i really because i was sitting with some ulama recently and we were discussing you know shayukh need to become stronger and you know fighters we said, you know, who, who's the best? And someone said, it's Nabil Awad. I mean, he, he's the one who <laughs> <laughs> he got a karate chop you while you're speaking. <laughs> um, on your last point, you know how it makes me think of? It makes me think that, you know, um, there are many teachers, but there are very few ostad among them. And the, that difference is basically what you're describing. You know, you'll find people who will give you knowledge and maybe an expert on a very particular niche area. But do they embody the nur of that ilm in a way that they are an example of what they're teaching? Mm. And that, that's when Ustad comes in. And mentioning scholars, great, because you're right. You're right. The alim who you've grown up with maybe has seen you grow, has understands you. And they don't have maybe that status or that YouTube channel or whatever, but they have the virtue mm. of being there every Friday. And you can go and, and, and speak to them. And that's the way that we have ilm in our tradition. It's our inheritance. Mm. 
every student, every Musa finds a khidr, every individual finds a teacher, and you, you, grow, you grow together. When I speak about mm. this, people, are, people often say to me, you know, does that belong to a bygone age where you find an ustad for your own personal spirituality? And I answer, no, you, you have to look, but you will find people around you. Have you found the same thing where you're telling people, like, find a person of knowledge to attach yourself to, you know? Uh, how does that work for us now, now today? You know, um, the thing is that... Oh, one second, one second. We one have second. Sorry, uh, oh, sorry. a narration. Sorry, sorry, to you. Uh, um, yeah. uh, sorry, I've just seen my mother has just logged in. So, assalamu alaikum to my mom. Uh, I'm just letting her know that when I'm done <laughs> filming, I'll come home. Okay, carry on, please. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, what it is, uh, it's quite interesting. There's a hadith from the Holy Prophet. And uh, I remember Aitala Mujtahidi Tehrani was... Uh, he was discussing this. He says that, you know, the pure heart influences the hearts. So there are many that will give you information or maybe giving you knowledge, but it won't change you. It won't mm. open your heart. It won't bring you closer to God. It will be literally coming in from one ear, out the other. Or you might retain it for going to debate with someone and making someone else feel silly or whatever, right? But Pure, you know, you'll you'll have that. You know, there are certain teachers that you'll come across that their words are just straight away. Teachers, they they they're the ones that will really change your life because it's the pure heart that influences the heart. If it is a heart that is corrupted by desire for fame or desire to be known or the desire to have like freebies thrown at them, right? Then that, that teacher or that so-called teacher won't, will teach but won't influence your heart. It is mm. only the pure heart that pierces through the hearts. Um, and so when you are uh, looking you know, you look for one who has massive influence. And then we have so many riwayats, like uh, look for the scholar that, or the, the alim or the teacher, that they do not inspire within you hubba dunya. Mm. Yeah? Like you look at their lifestyle and you're not like, ooh, I wish I could have one of those. Ooh, I wish I could wear one of those. You know, it, it doesn't inspire hubbad dunya in you. And those there are some teachers like that who you will sit with and they're so down to earth and all the inspiration you'll get, like what you're getting off them is, I just want to be like this person in, in the sense of their relationship with God. Yeah? Not, I want to be like this person because, wow, his clothing. Or, wow, his watch. Or, you know... Um, so it's always fine to one, like the ulama'i su' are those that will, when they speak, they will attach you to the dunya. They won't attach you to the, the akhirah. And, and it's weird, right? Because they're going to be talking about the religion. So how is it that they're talking about the religion, but they're still attaching you to the dunya? Because at times they'll, they'll be talking about the religion, but at the same time, they'll be talking about themselves and all the travels they've had and all the things that they and I saw in this community. And somewhere in there, you're sitting there, or I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I wish I could also travel the world, right? Straight away, you know, they're like, boom, attach me to the world. Uh, so at times, yeah. you, know, you, you have to find really the pure heart. You know, uh, those that have nothing to gain by teaching you, by being, mm. you know, they, they're just, they don't, and when you sit with them, you're not thinking about how am I going to make my next million or how am I going to become financially stable? You're just thinking about how am I going to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, it reminds me of why I selected this title for uh, today's talk, gaining ilm or gaining weight, it's because of the eye of Quran. فَلْيَنْظَرِ الْإِنسَانِ عَلَى تَعَامِهِ. You know, uh, mm. people are people, especially now in Shah Ramadan, we're always looking at our food and we're so particular. When am I eating? What am I eating? What ingredient? You know, what's good for my fitness, my regime? And the hadith is, you know, the way that you regard your food. Why don't you regard ilm in the same way that you are inserting in, in, into your heart? 
And it's a beautiful point. Why can't we be this particular about our knowledge and who gives it? by chance we see a thing on Instagram and we become convinced but when did we actually take responsibility for our own element and say you know what I'm going to focus on this area I'm lacking in my aqaid I'm lacking in my tafsir and I'm going to focus on it you know you mentioned aqaid once someone's theology is is pretty you know fundamental they've got their aqaid they know their tawheed they understand key issues of nabuwa and imamat what's next how do we supplement the basics what's a uh, you know a sensible way of gaining on the fundamentals yeah there's something that came to my mind when you were talking about, you know, ilm and food and stuff like that. There is one similarity between it. Uh, we both like to take, we'd like to take selfies with both. <laughs> with the alim and that's with true. the food. Like, there's, there's both things in the current time that, you know, everybody wants to take photos of their food and take photos of their favorite What does that say about our appetite, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and the thing is, it's weird, isn't it? Even even on that point, like in Shah, outside of Shah Ramadan, I'm starving. Go to a nice restaurant, and I'll take a photo first. Make everyone else wait, so I can just Snapchat the whole array of food. But outside of Shah Ramadan, I'm like, hell no, get out of the way. Let me eat. <laughs> yeah. and it's like if there's anywhere that you should be doing some sort of restraint. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> you're you're just hungry, aren't you? Or you're just eating. That's what this is, you know. You oh, you've had your start. <laughs> Why so you haven't? I did want to know. I, I I already yeah. We went we went to a, a very well known restaurant. I don't want to mention it because they'll ask for royalties or, or payment for sponsoring the mm. podcast. But um, someone wanted to know what your what's your favorite iftar is. So I'm going to ask you, Chef, what's your ideal iftar? Ask me. Someone wanted to know your favorite, what's your ideal, I don't know, iftar or meal that you, you know, maybe the one you favorite, I don't, know. I don't so this, this is something like really weird. Um, I don't have a favorite anything in life. Um, I don't know why. Um, I just don't. I appreciate everything for what it is. So I don't have a favorite food. I don't have a favorite color. I don't have a favorite car. I don't have a favorite anything. It's just, mm. I appreciate everything for what it is. Uh, at that particular moment. So I don't really know what my ideal iftar is. You know, like, uh, maybe, maybe you know, once I've read uh, Sheikh Jafar's new book, I'll, uh, I'll maybe <laughs> yeah. find a, find a uh, uh, thing. I think it's in the post to me right now. He's so coming I'm on the podcast soon. Um, I'm not going to say what yeah. day, but so when he comes, I can ask him on your behalf, you know, Sheikh Nabil wanted to know what's the best iftar. And what's his favourite? <laughs> it, it would be dates, right? That would probably be uh, from... Something like proper. extremely holy, you know, something very... Uh... Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's weird, that relationship that we have with food and going back to yeah. the idea of ilm. Yeah, food is... Um, we have so many uh, hadiths that talk about Akhir Zaman uh, or talk about people. So, like, uh, there's one from Akhiruz, about Akhir Zaman. The Holy Prophet is saying that there'll come a time, Ya'ti Zaman, there'll come a time upon the people where they'll do certain things. And one of those things is, Their stomachs will become their gods. Yeah? Everything they do will be for their stomach. Or then, Amir al-Mu'mineen, when he talks about uh, someone, some say maybe it's. Uh, uh, his uh, childhood friend Uthman, and uh, or maybe someone else that he's talking about. It's not clear. Uh, the Shari'een have given different opinions, but he says that I Ali used to have a brother, yeah, who was honored in my eyes. This one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason he was honored in the eyes of Ali because the dunya was small in his eyes. And then he carries on. He says, وَخَارَجَ مِنْ سُلْطَانِ بطنه. He had ah, removed yeah. himself from the sovereignty of his stomach. His stomach uh, no longer ruled over him. You know, it influences our personality. It influences our... You know, we are... We need... The whole point of fasting is that you feel hunger 
That's the whole point of it. You know, all these, you know, special diets, eat this at iftar and eat this at suhoor and it'll keep you feeling fuller for longer. No, that's not the point. You're supposed to feel hungry because in yeah. that feeling of hunger is your closeness to God. But it's also uh, to sort of detach yourself from the need, from the change in your personality and your spirituality when you're hungry, to sort of detach yourself from the 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 influence that hunger has over your personality. And that's like where you've got to be able to detach yourself uh, from that. So we're, we're really picky about what we eat yeah. and stuff like that, but we're not really picky about what we feed ourselves. You know, and there is a, there's a hadith from, I think, Imam al-Hassan to the same effect, that, you know, I'm shocked. And the person that is worried about that which he puts in his stomach but he's not worried about what he feeds his soul. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we hear all of this, I and mean, we like fast food and stuff like that, right? But we hear all this bad stuff about fast food, and, you know, but we also got fast food ilm as well. And that's mm. like a YouTube video, five-minute YouTube video, or a skim read of a book, or just in my own arrogance, I just listen to someone, and just because I'm a good debater or... I, you know, I've got time on my hands. I'm like, oh, no, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. Without even understanding any of the sort of the reasoning and the way things are done. Um, so it is really important that obviously what we're putting in our stomachs is very important because that directly correlates to our spirituality anyway. Um, but uh, it is really important that we, when we're looking at knowledge and the gaining of knowledge, we have to look whether the source is pure. Yeah. And I know Sayyid Muhammad Rizwi, uh, may Allah pro prolong his life, in Canada, I was speaking to him and he was saying, you know, uh, there was a clip of mine that went viral some years ago, a clip of his, uh, where he was speaking about, you know, like scholars and speakers, people who should be on the member. And oh, he was yeah. like, you have one type, which is, you know, Abi Kathir. Like there's a lot, uh, this is someone who has a lot of knowledge He's able to sit there. But then you have Abi Qalil. But the, as long as that Abi Qalil, you know, the one that doesn't have much knowledge, is connected with a heavyweight scholar, then that should be fine. But if you have someone who is Abi Qalil and not connected to anything within the establishment and is just giving their own opinion left, right and center, then that Abi Qalil is, it won't purify you. It will, yeah. you know, it, it will, it will just corrupt you and destroy you, and I think that's that's one thing that we need to look at. Like, okay, who this knowledge that I'm gaining? What is it attached to? This book that I'm reading? Who is its author? Or whose yeah. student was he? Like, you know, that that sinsula that we have, and that sinsula well, you mentioned. This is our inheritance. We've inherited, you know, teacher after teacher, student after student. I remember in Najaf, in the house of Najaf, there is a source of pride that we are directly connected to the land of Sheikh Tuthi because literally every teacher, teacher, teacher goes back to that same land. In Iran, they have a similar idea. And actually, the inheritance of Ahlul Bayt is ilm. Like, that's the thing they have, they have left behind for us. To not take this seriously is to, in many ways, not take their legacy seriously. Um, yeah. I want to I put this to you. You know, when I'm, when I'm researching on ideas about ilm and knowledge from the Ahlul Bayt, I see a very high threshold for the Shi'i about how much ilm they should have and they should be always, you know, ilm and all these things and, and seeking to improve themselves. And then I look at our community and myself in it and I see that I'm way short of that standard which the imams are saying the Shia should be qualified for, let alone, uh, you know, that best, just the, the base standard for calling yourself our follower. And I wonder, is there a time or a reason why, if you agree that ilm is not as important as it, as it should be to us, when did it happen that we that we didn't prioritize as much. Did something happen or do we make some choice as a community where we chose something instead of ilm? Because my thinking is what I see in the books and what I see in front of me are not the same thing. And, and I, I want to understand why. Yeah. I think uh, it, it is a difficult one. I, and fundamentally, it is because we got bogged down with the dunyavi life, right? We got bogged down with everything and we just sort of didn't have... Uh, time for God anymore. You know, it's like this, God became this myth. You know, like you have like ancient civilizations that maybe had like a prophet and stuff. And then that myth, you know, that prophet became a myth and then eventually the myth became God. Um, 
type yeah. situation. And for us, you know, God is like, is almost like a myth. Um, and so we don't really give him that much priority in our, in our lives. Um, I remember I tell Mujtahidi, he would say that there was, um, there was time that he, from his teacher, he was talking about going into like certain masajid in Shah Ramadan and counting 70, 80 people who in the qunuta of their Salat al-Layl were reciting Dua Abi Hamza Thumali from by heart. Wow. Yeah? And these weren't ulama, these are just like average people. So from there to where we are now, where I can't even bother to recite the whole Dua, like a generation that was there memorizing it, and they were reciting it in the qunut of their, of their Salat al-Layl, to a generation that, you know, Sort of, I'll try and watch it two times speed on YouTube just to tick the box, right? That right. I've recited by Abu Hamza. Uh, so, you know, being that downfall or where it happened, obviously we can we can argue that it is because the haqq of Ahl al-Bayt, Ahl al-Bayt salam, were not able to, you know, spread their teachings in the way that they were but that's as a general point but we as Shias uh, especially in this uh, time of Ghaybat uh, al-Kubra we've yes. we've become lax right there's no there's no continual improvement we go to we go to work we're at jobs and we have CPD and we're like constantly trying to pump up those CPD points right because that's what I need, my continued professional development points. Yeah, I'm going on this course and that point. But I don't have my continued spiritual development points. You know, I don't do it. Uh, you know, the, the narration say that the Mu'min's day, no two days are the same. What does that mean? Each day is an improvement on the day before. They always try and find something that yeah. they're going to improve. The only way they're going to find something that they're going to improve is if they're doing muhasaba at the end of the day. That, ah, man, I should have done that better. I shouldn't have lost my temper. I shouldn't have done that. And I think when there's that continual development and when people are actually looking at uh, their relationship with God as being a journey, uh, a journey that's both uh, is, is internal, is going more inwards, right? Uh, yeah. To uncover the, the divine aspect that exists. Uh, but you know, the, just the days are exactly the same. They're the same mundane routine that I get myself into. Um, and even if I've got my routine, but you know, each day I'm not improving. I'm not like finding an extra du'a to recite, even if it's an extra five lines of Quran or something. You know, I'm just happy doing what I've done for the last twenty years because it's ticking the box and it's not rocking the boat. And mm. so my, you know, my the pool of my soul is still. And then the moment someone throws a rock in it, all the garbage comes right back up again. You know, wow. and uh, that's because I've just been stagnant. And so all of those issues that I had within me, they've all sunk to the bottom. And it happens in Shah Ramadan all the time. I think, oh yeah, I've become so holy, so religious. A day of Eid comes, and I hear the music and I'm like, oh, that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wait, 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 wait. What, what went wrong here? You know, what, what happened? You were supposed to be holy. I thought you broke out of the habit. But it's not. Yeah. All you did is let the habit sink to the bottom. Alama Tawatawai gives this example, by the way. It's not me. Like, I'm not giving you this profound example of yourself. <laughs> Alama Tawatawai and uh, uh, Alama uh, Tehrani. You know, that it allows, like, the rubbish of your soul just sinks to the bottom because you don't agitate it. You don't actively try and remove it from your soul. Uh, and so it just all sinks to the bottom uh, until, you know, some sort of trial, some sort of bala. And then, you know, as, uh, as Sayyid al-Shuhada says, and then when bala comes upon them, then very few of them are religious. You know, then all exactly. that religion goes out the window. So there's no continued spiritual development. CSD, that's what we need in our lives, a continued spiritual development. We've got all the professional development at work, but you know, we've got no uh, continued spiritual development in our lives. 
I had a point, but now I need to make an acronym too because you've made one. I would call it um, a kind of SGM, a spiritual growth mindset. Because <laughs> what I was going to say was we have a growth <laughs> mindset for everything. Yeah. Being in my internal battle or, um, or, or for how, how much of my capacity is increasing for, for the love of God. I, I don't look at that thing as a, as a thing to develop day, day by day. Whereas if we look at it honestly, the entire Quran and all of the prophets are on their own journey. And Ahl Bayt are constantly telling us about ways to improve. Being stagnant and being still, that should cause someone to be completely uneasy with themselves. How can I be still or the same? Like, how, how can I not grow? And I know not everyone has mm. that approach for spirituality, but they have it for something in their life. They might have it for a game they're playing of, well, I have to get to the next level. They have it for a school, I've got to get the next grade. We should be looking at ourselves in the same way. We should be looking at ourselves as worth developing and worth growing. You know, like some yeah. sort of rare, rare flower which only shines certain colors if you water it day by day. Well, then water it day by day. Don't, don't miss a day, you know? Um, yeah, and, yeah. and as we come up to the night of Qadr, it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it is. We just don't look at it as a, as a priority. Uh, something that we've got to keep on developing and uh, increasing uh, in ourselves. It's just there. It's okay. And that's why the nights of Qadr come and the nights of Qadr go. We don't change. We're exactly mm. the same. You know, what is the what is the uh, sign that the night of Qadr has had an influence on you? It is that the next day when you wake up, there is something that has fundamentally changed about you. But when you're just wow. the same, then that night of Qadr, that mala, those malaika and the ruh and and all of those things, the malakut being dragged towards the hujjah of Allah, you know, entering, like going towards the hujjah of Allah and we benefiting through the barakah of His uh, existence. But yet, Still, we don't actually, you know, gain anything. We don't actually change. Um, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, even if I've got a growth mindset, you know, it only works when I actually want to grow. Or if I have a continued spiritual development. And, you know, some people have it. And there's a WhatsApp group that's constantly sending our miles out left, right and center. But it's not changing yeah, I mean, because, <laughs> because you're doing all of these a'mal and you're doing all of these sujood and du'as and all of that. But, you know, fundamentally, you're still a rotten person, man. <laughs> you know, you, you're, still, uh, you're still looking at, uh, you know, you're still being nasty towards people, still backbiting. You're still rolling your eyes when someone talks to you. You're still avoiding talking to certain people because you think they're just crazy and they're going to do your head in. You know, like you're not a nice person as it is, right? So that's why you can do as much as you want. But if your akhlaq isn't there, then... You know, it's all for naught. Yeah. Uh, I want to say at this point that me and Aghanabil can speak for hours on end and actually have in the rare chance I'm in Peterborough and he's actually in town. So I, I want to uh, put an artificial stop to our, <laughs> to our conversation and say if anyone listening wants to ask a question or, or mention a thought, this is the perfect time for I've just seen one question now and then I think we can end unless there's another question, which is what can we do to make these nights, يعني, the nights of Ramadan and probably the nights of Qadr, to, to make us better? What's, I'll, I'll rephrase and say, what's one thing we can prioritize to take away from today's podcast? I'll add, so you don't take my one, is muhasaba, because <laughs> you've said it already. Take that time out of your day before you sleep at the end of the day to reflect and, and take stock of how you've done that day in order to know what the goal should be for the next day and to know where to carry, mm-hmm. carry on and to identify gaps in ourselves that we should be honest about in order to fill mm-hmm. with presence. So my one thing is muhasaba. Sheikh, if you could end the discussion, what's that one thing we can do in these nights to make us better? Um, actually understand what it means to be in the, in the month of Ramadan. Um, so from the first night, every single sin was forgiven. Yeah? So now straight away, you started this already at a higher point. Number two, every time, everywhere else, every, throughout every other part of the year, 
you had to strive. It was like a tree climbing, climbing a tree to be able to reach a fruit of spiritual uh, greatness, right? But in this month, you don't need to move because the tree of the mercy of God and spirituality has sunken down under the weight of the, the mercy and the barakah of Allah and entered this plane. So you just got to wow. stretch out your hand and take it. So now, not only are you sinless from the first night, not only have all the barakah come, and then on top of that, anfasukum uh, tasbih. Your breath is tasbih. Your sleep is ibadat. Your uh, actions are accepted. Your du'as are accepted. This takes urafa, 60, 70 years of tazkiyat uh, al-nafs to reach that point where their sleep is ibadat and their, their, their breath is tasbih. Right? But every wow. single year in Shah Ramadan, we have that opportunity. But we don't understand the opportunity that we have until we squander it. But if you understand, so the one thing I've tried to say is, understand this month. Straight away, you're sinless. Straight away, the, the branches of the mercy of God from the heavens have entered this world. Straight away, the Quran that you would recite and the, the spiritual maqam that you would achieve by finishing a whole Qur'an in other months of the year, you get that same spiritual maqam with one ayah of the Holy Qur'an in this month. Mm. You know, so imagine where you're going. So if you go with that mindset that, whoa, you know, if I had some opportunity to do like a, a hyperbolic training chamber, you know, like Dragon Ball Z reference, but for 80 years I could train for something, yeah, how great would I be? Well, Laylatul Qadr khayrun min alf al-shahr. It's 83.3 years. So imagine where you should be going in that journey. You In Laylatul Qadr, every Laylatul Qadr night, you should quantum leap 83 years in spiritual growth. Having already jumped all of these maqamat from the first of the holy month. So just understand the opportunity that you have. Uh, at your fingertips uh, in this holy month. What a beautiful way to end today's discussion. Um, thank you so much, Sheikh. I, I, I personally found that very powerful and I hope the listeners can take some motivation from that to value every second that we have, inshallah. Um, good luck uh, on your safe travels to Dubai, inshallah. Send our salams to the community. Um, unfortunately, we won't have you again for this podcast. Today's only that you can make. But I wonder if before you go, I can be cheeky and ask you to give all the listeners a quick shout out for following the Monthly Reflections podcast page. Uh, if you give them a quick shout out, that will go a long way for us, inshallah. Inshallah. Inshallah, we'll do. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care, inshallah. We'll see you soon. And everyone else, we'll see you tomorrow's every night discussion on Monthly Reflections podcast. Follow us and we'll discuss another topic, inshallah, and go further and further through the holy month. Thank you, Sheikh Nabil. Take care, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Fi amanillah. Pray for us, inshallah. You too, as well. Thank you. Take care, Araja. Ma'asalaam. And bye, everyone. Take care.